0: We have this thing where we, we, we have ceremonial exercise that we're used to that we call church. You know, the religious routine where we sing three fast, two slow, take an offering, make some announcements. You know, we, we go through our deal. And, guy, I just feel the presence of God is in here and he just wants to mess you up. right? He, he doesn't really care about our, our ceremony. He just wants you to come to a place you haven't been before. Isn't it cool that God wants to know you? You know, He wants you to know Him. He wants to hang out with you. He wants to change you. He wants to infuse you with an inner strength so that no matter what you face tomorrow, you're ready. I mean you get it that's what it's all about right that that Paul said I'm ready for it equal to anything that comes my way through Christ who is infusing me with an inner strength really this relationship what it's all about is God positioning you so that he can show you that no matter what you face it's okay you got it he's gonna he's gonna fill you with strength he's gonna fill you with wisdom he's gonna he's gonna change your perspective Isaiah 60 says, Arise from the state of depression in which circumstances has kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine. Come on up, guys. Go to a new level. Come to a new place. Get up above the ordinary existence that mankind has been sucked into and and held down and and pressed into. See, when we talk about God changing our lives, I think some of us think that what God's going to do is He's going to make us so weird that we won't even want to be with ourselves. You know that we'll, we'll have stickers all over our car that say "get right" or "get left." You know, and, and and people will see us coming and they'll they'll dodge us. No, what God's wanting to do, He's wanting to, He's wanting you to know that your life, your life right now, that you just you're you're on the, you know, you're on one of two sides of, of simply a threshold, a doorway. And look at, look at Romans 12, verse 1 in the message. We're going to put this up on a screen. Romans 12, 1, it says, Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. Take your everyday ordinary life. You remember this in the King James. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. The only way to be acceptable to God is to be holy. Hello. Come on guys, we're talking about God. You know, we we're, we're we're just not talking about, you know, somebody down at the Dairy Queen or over at uh, you know, Disney World. No, we're talking about God. Anything's acceptable out there, but with God, see, he set some parameters. And there's, there's just some things that we've got to do to become acceptable to him. And in the message, he writes it this way. He says, here's what we do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work. You're walking around life. Place it before God as an offering. Your worship is your life. The way you work. You know, you're not doing it for the man. You're not doing it just to earn vacation points or frequent flyer miles. No, I'm living for God. It's not I that lives, but Christ who's living in me. I have surrendered my life and accepted God's life. And He's going to use me right where I am for His glory. It's going to be an awesome life because when I give God my everyday life, Ordinary life. He's going to give me back supernatural, extraordinary God life in return. He is going to give me something that is so much greater, better. Jesus came that I might have and enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. We're talking about exuberant life. You know, if you were a skateboarder, it's not just riding the rail. Now it's having all the tricks. It's falling down and jumping back up and, and life surging through your body. We have an enemy that's doing everything he can to separate us from God life. He has us under the impression that if we connect to God and give our life to God that all the fun's going to be taken out of life, that you know that, that we're never going to get anything we want because, you know, well, just think about it, living for Jesus, not my will but thine, that doesn't sound real good. Especially with, you know, my Christmas list, there's some things I want. You know, I'm, what, I'm supposed to walk away from that? Well, I got a question for you. God's plan. We say we know it. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. We say we know that God's plan. We know God's plan is to prosper, us, not to harm us, to give us hope in the future. We know God has a better life for us. We just don't believe it. Is it all right if we're just real this morning? Come on, guys. We we we're easily deceived. We're easily convinced that if we go after God life, somehow we're going to miss something. No, we're missing the point. God life is going to make your life better. So we have an enemy that does everything he can to separate us from God life. See, since we think God life is like a long robe and carrying around a a window with stained glass in it, and and you know, and, and uh, you know, who who knows what we think of that God life is, since since we don't understand that it's our everyday ordinary life, with the presence of God wrapped around it. See, that's God life. What you do, where you work, you're eating, you're sleeping, you're walking around everyday life, only enveloped with God's presence saturated with God's presence. But what we end up doing is we end up allowing things to come into our life that make it impossible for Him to participate. See, when you get... you Do, do a word study sometime. You, you find out that the, the, the word for holy and the word for cursed in the Hebrew language is the same word. Really, It's the same word. Remember Achan, who took stuff? It's the only place in the King James Bible where the word stuff is used. <laughs> Achan took God's stuff and mixed it with his stuff. And the stuff that he took before he took the stuff was holy stuff. But once he took the holy stuff and he mixed it with his stuff, the holy stuff became cursed stuff. It's the same stuff, just being used for a different purpose. So what makes something holy or cursed isn't defined by the stuff, but it's how you're using the stuff, which determines whether it's holy or cursed. Your life isn't cursed because it's your life. Your life might be cursed because you're using your life wrong. When you use your life right, all of a sudden it's holy and acceptable unto God. And because it's acceptable and holy... Now God can come in and envelop that life and saturate that life and empower that life and participate in that life. But there are some things that we've brought into our life that God can't hang with. There are some things God just ain't going to walk around and, and you, you know what, He don't even flirt with it. And we date it. You know, it's Valentine's Day. What's your heart connected to? Here's how to find out what will you walk away from in order to allow God to walk with you? What would you forget about so that God could participate in a new realm of your life? There's a story in the Bible, Joseph. Most of us understand the story of Joseph. If you haven't ever read it, go to, go to Genesis. You know, come to me later. Uh, we'll give you all the scriptures. Uh, Joseph. Look at your neighbor and say, Joseph. You know, Joseph had a dream. And it's kind of interesting, if you remember, the, the dream that Joseph had moved him. But when he shared the dream, and when God shared the dream with Joseph, it's interesting that God left out the abused by your family, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, going to be imprisoned. When you get out, you're going to be falsely accused. You're going to go back into prison. You're going to have people around you that can help you, and they're going to turn your back on you and walk away from you. It's funny that when Joseph was telling everybody his dream, he didn't include any of that. He didn't have a clue. Why? Because when you have your dream, you kind of romanticize your dream. You leave the life portions out. We end up in life every day, and there's stuff that comes with life, and we act as if God might have separated from us. No, listen, there's just stuff in life, right? The, the dream, the purpose, the, the destiny that God has for you, it's going to face opposition. Don't be confused when opposition shows up. But there's something about this that, that shook joseph's life that to the point that things that probably could have separated him from it those things came off of him and he continued to move towards things that were eternal you with me we have some things in our life that need to come out look at hebrews 12 verse 26 hebrews 12:26. at mount sinai his voice shook the earth but now he has given a promise everybody say a promise Here's a promise nobody wants. Once more I will shake and make tremble not only the earth but also the heavens. Look at verse 27. This expression, yet once more, indicates the final removal and transformation of all that can be shaken. That is, of that which has been created in order that that which can be shaken may remain or cannot be shaken, that it might remain and continue. Here's here's this this word that God's voice is going to speak. And it's going to shake, and anything that can be shaken will be shaken, but that which cannot be shaken shall remain. Right? This is a promise. Here's one of the promises that you get in in the Word of God, that God's going to shake some things. I think we're at a place where God's wanting to shake our lives so that things that are there that separate us from the presence of God will be removed so that the presence of God can come in to our lives. I think that the dream, the purpose, the, the the destiny that God has for us as a body and as individuals, if we really see it and hear it, it'll shake us. You know, Chuck Yeager, remember him? History buffs. 1947 breaks the... Uh, sound barrier, the first man to, to break the sound barrier. And prior to him and even during his flight, matter of fact, when he broke the sound barrier, they were waiting. They saw him speeding by and they were waiting. And when they heard the sonic boom for the first time, they, they assumed he had crashed and blown up. They didn't realize that he had penetrated the sound barrier. What happens when you're getting close to the sound barrier is the plane would begin to, to shake violently. It actually, some of the, the you, you know, many, many of the, uh, of the uh, instrument panels would, would, would be broken, and equipment would stop working, and, and, and guys would pull out. Many, many would die because of the, the violent shake. They lose control, you know, because the pilot himself would, would just kind of lose perspective, and, and, you know, lose his senses. Sometimes get dizzy, wreck the plane. Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier, and when he penetrated the sound barrier, he came back and reported that once you get past that violent shaking, you can fly faster, higher, and smoother. I think where God's wanting to take you is to a place where you can fly faster, higher, and smoother. But there's God, at first, there's going to be a violent shaking. And everything that can be shaken is coming off. And that which cannot be shaken shall remain. And then the presence of God can come. And He can dwell in you in a a way that has never been possible in your life before. Some of us were going to mock one. Maybe others are going to mock two. I know what we think. We think that our life is fine. We think we're flying just right but every time we get close to the shaking we back off because we've grown accustomed to some things in our life it's not can I can I just submit to you that we're not today we're not talking about gross sin we're we're, we're not talking about you know adultery and murder and we're talking about the things that we've come so accustomed to that we don't realize that those are issues that cause God to not be able to walk with us in the way he wants to walk with us. What is called is ungodliness. I know that sounds harsh, but really think about it. If something's godly, it's like God. If it's not like God, it's ungodly. So some of the attitudes represented in the room are not exactly like God. You should stand up here and look this way right now. A lot of the attitudes in this room. <laughs> we have things in our life. We, we have things in our life that cause us to be in a category of ungodly. i got to tell you that when God began to really deal with me about this, I'm thinking he's got to be talking about Shelby. He's got to be showing me things that he wants to do with my kids or something. You know, or in the congregation. God's going, no, I'm talking to you. And I said, well, i got to go find you then. Who's he? Did everything I could to distance myself from the reality that God wanted to deal with things in my life that I just allowed to remain. This ain't no big deal, just stupid little thing. God's going, you know, will you release that? Will you let go of that? Will you do it not because you don't, maybe you don't even get it. Maybe maybe you don't even agree. Here's a good one for you. What if you don't even agree with God that what he wants to shake out of your life needs to go? What if you think, no, that stuff's fine. I'm going to let that hang. But for the sake of greater intimacy, would you leave it? Would you walk away? Would you forget about it? Let your never say, forget about it. Look the other way and say, forget about it. (laughs) Some of the things I think maybe we we might want to forget about, now I'm not talking about things that people have done to us, words that they've said, actions that they've taken, um, opportunities that we've missed. Those things hurt and they leave wounds. But how about fitting in? How about you realize if you're really going to walk with God that God didn't call you to fit in, He called you to stand out. How about pleasing people? How about if you realize? How about we just agree that pleasing people is a form of idolatry? That if my mind is focused on pleasing you, then it can't be focused on pleasing him. How about we forget about it? We just forget about. It. I'm, I'm not talking about just I don't care that attitude that you know that, that's belligerent that says you know I don't care what people think. Well, that that's, that can you know that's the perverted portion of the point. How about just, no, God says this, and it doesn't make any difference what the world says. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. How about being politically correct? We live in a, in an era when a biblically based world view is not real popular. So, being politically correct, I think you should be able to say, forget about it. How about remaining always welcome? There are some circles that we just can't walk in anymore. We're not welcome there. Because the lifestyle that they embrace is one that we cannot... Be near it. So we're not welcome. Being welcome everywhere, forget about it. How about feeling accepted, understood, appreciated, significant? I think there's times where we just got to forget about it. That this isn't about me, this isn't about you, but this is about pleasing God. Genesis 41, verse 50. Under Joseph were born two sons. This is after he's been through all the trauma in life. He's getting his feet back on the ground. He's building a family. He's number two in the nation, which at that time is basically the world. Under Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, and God had spoken to him about the years of famine, and he knew they were coming. And the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bear unto him. Look at verse 51. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God said, He hath made me forget all my toil and my father's house. That's pretty good that he's been able to forget all the toil. Remember, he was abused by his family, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, falsely accused, put into prison. You know, everybody walks out on it. He said, I was able to forget all of that. Forget about it. There's some things you just got to forget about. He was able to forget about it. His second son, look at this, verse 52. The name of his second he called Ephraim. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. I know what we would really like. We'd really like God to move us out of the land of our affliction. But God would really like to make us fruitful in the land of our affliction. That right where you are, that you don't have to move to Tulsa to find victory. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we don't have to go to Mecca someplace. We, we, don't have to, we don't have to get away from Trump. No, right in the middle of a hellacious situation, I can have God-ordained victory. The presence of God with me. But I want you to notice something. That victory, fruitfulness in the land of my affliction, follows Forgetfulness. The first born is Manessa. The ability to forget. The second is the ability to be fruitful. Some of us are never going to be fruitful until we first choose to give birth to forgetfulness, to let go of some things. And again, I. It applies to hurts and wounds, but that's not my point really today. I I mean, if you've got unforgiveness, come on, forget about it. Get over that stuff. You you, you know, you're going to have to, to have life. flow. you're just going to have to, you know. Well, they shouldn't have said, right, they shouldn't have. You're right. Nobody cares, but you're right. Just whatever you want, go with that and get over it, right? Come on. You know, well, you you don't know the the, the, the tore the, the, the tear in my in my spirit. You don't know the the way God can bring health and healing. Come on, I know it's unfair. Life life's hard, but God is good. Oh, you got to be real. I am being real. Life's hard. Life's hard. I so and I were in Spokane yesterday, you know, because of, uh, what, torn aortas and, and, and heart uh, breakdowns and, and all kinds of, we're, we're just, you know, life's hard. But God's good. But let's look at things that we've allowed in our life that we need to forget. We need to forget about it. things that are ungodly. Things that are separating us from having God all over everything we do. Man, I, I really want you to hear my heart this morning. I, I don't have any, any issues with the future. I've, I've been in the presence of God. I know God's plan for my life, I know, I know the purpose for which I have been called you do realize you're called. I think maybe what happened is that we forget we're called. We get so busy in life. We get so caught up with stuff. We we forget God called my name. Isaiah 43, it says, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. God's called me not not just to hear his voice he has a purpose second timothy 1 9 second timothy 1 9 look at this it is he who had delivered and saved us and called us with a calling in itself holy and leading to holiness to a life of consecration, of vocation, of holiness. He did it not because of anything of merit that we have done, but because of and to further His own purpose and grace. He, it is He who hath saved us. Everybody say this with me. Say, I'm saved. I'm saved. Come on, let's say it together. I'm saved. One more time. I'm saved. Are you saved today? you saved Have you received The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you're going to be saved. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word saved, sozo. What a crazy word. It means to be redeemed, to be lifted, to be uh, secured, to be healed, to be ransomed. It has it's salvation. It's not just getting to heaven someday, it's, it's total life, renovation, inside and out, starting now, going to eternity. You're gonna walk in health, you're gonna walk in victory, you're gonna walk in, in prosperity, you're gonna you're gonna have a crazy life. I'm saved. And that's why the enemy doesn't want you to really know how saved you are. Do you remember when you first got saved, before you got home, you felt like you needed to be born again again? You know, so, sometimes when we have you bow your head and close your eyes, and if you're here today and you're separated from God, raise your hand, pray this prayer with us. And, and sometimes, and it's all right, but sometimes, you know, I have people that do that every week. They've been born again. Well, count 52 times 5, because next weekend's our fifth year, you know. Five years next week. That's all right. Get born again until you get a revelation. I'm born again. I don't have to get born again again. I'm saved and called. See what's, what we do is we end up trying to live like we're saved instead of living like we're called. When we're living like we're saved, we're trying to make sure that we don't lose our salvation. That we don't make a mistake, that we don't say a wrong word, that we don't, you know, touch something we shouldn't touch, that we don't, you know, we, we go through the hoop backwards or something. I don't know. You're not going to lose your salvation if your heart's with God. You're, you're all right. You're going to make it. You're saved. If we live like we're called, we don't worry about being saved. We know we're saved. We're living like we're called. Living like we're called. I'm called to walk in victory. I'm called of God to to possess the land. The word possess means to drive out the previous tenant, make him poor, dwell in his place. I'm called of God to do great things for the kingdom. I'm called of God to a purpose and a destiny. He saved me, called me to a to a calling that's a holy calling. His own purpose. I have a purpose. I have a purpose. I said, I have a purpose. I'm not worried about my future. God has called me. He has a plan for my life. He has a plan for your life. So you don't have to worry about your future. You have to deal with your present. You you, you have to have victory right here where you are. You have to realize that the enemy is going to do everything he can to get you to... Except ungodliness. It's his only it's his only tool, really. The enemy is his only tool to keep you from insane victory. Because he really can't do anything about your salvation. Because you're saved. All he can do is get you to forget you're called. Then you won't live like you're called. You'll live like you're lost. Ungodliness encroaches upon us. It's like Joseph working Potiphar's wife coming. The Bible says day after day after day, sleep with me, sleep with me, sleep with me, sleep. Day after day, the encroachment of ungodliness pressing upon him. That's what happens to us day after day. And if you don't know you're called, oh, you got you. All of a sudden, you start allowing things into your life that just shouldn't be there. And it's simply so that you can't be in the place that you need to be in relationship with God. Because there are some things that you're willing to walk with that God cannot be around. What are you willing to walk away from today? What are you willing to forget about so you can have fruitfulness? How many families should have been salt and light but weren't because they allowed ungodliness to remain. How many lives had tremendous destiny that you know of, but they fell short because they allowed ungodliness to be present? How many churches could have made a tremendous difference but didn't because they allowed ungodliness to hang there? See, I'm not worried about our future as a church. I know that God has a plan. I, I know that, that, you know... In five years, next weekend when we celebrate five years, you don't understand. There's hundreds of people that come through the ministry every week. There's, we, we own the property. The buildings are going to be built. It's going to be crazy as we got nothing but future in front of us. But here's my, here's my issue is that at the end of the day, it doesn't make any difference how big the building is. If the presence of God isn't there, who cares? Just, just don't want to dedicate my life to building empty buildings, full of empty people. You know, I just, I don't want my sons to go through life and think that Christianity is a church experience, a religious ceremony. I want them to know God. I want the congregation that God's called me to lead to have intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. I want us to be cleansed from ungodliness that tries to separate us from the presence of God. Now, I really don't care about the building. I know the building, God will do that. That's His deal. Uh, I know that the ministry, the growth of the ministry, that's his issue. If all we want is a big building and fancy equipment, we could just join another group. They've already got it. We can help them get it. But that's not what we're after. We're after God's presence in our life. His love is extravagant. He has reached into our lives and pulled us, each one of us here today, to have a conversation with us so that he could look into our eyes and we could look into his and we could hear him say, You need to walk away from some things. See that? Forget about it. I want to make you fruitful. I want your relationship to be fruitful. I, I, I want I want God life to explode inside of you. I don't want you to worry about the future. I've called you. I've called you. I've called you out of darkness into the marvelous light of my dear son. Come on. Walk with me. Get up here on a higher plane. Don't hang down there. I want. I want us to have real relationship with God. And I tell you something. personally my relationship with God today is better than it's ever been. And all it's done put inside of me a desire cuz I want more. I want more God. I want more God. I want. hmm. I want more God in your house. I want this body. To be dripping. With the presence of God. The things that we deal with in life. The things that are ripping the families apart they melt in his presence the issues that you struggle with are no longer issues when his presence steps into your environment I know there's things that you think you need I'm here today to tell you those aren't the answers we just those aren't the things we need we need God We need God's presence. We need to embrace the relationship we have with Him through salvation, which is actually what the word call means. I have called you with a holy calling. That word calling means a divine invitation to actually embrace the salvation which you already possess. Are you willing to walk away from some things? Are you willing to allow God to come and step into your life and say, this is what it is? Move away from it, whether you understand it or not. I don't get it. There's some things that God has asked me to let go of. I don't even know why. And I don't even care. You know, I'm really not that weird. You know, sell the Hummer. Okay you am going to sell the Hummer. I don't feel any weird connection to it. I don't think it matters. It's just obedience opens the door for God's participation in your life. If God asked you, would you do it? This morning, I've, I've asked Evoria to come, and I, I wanted to just come and pray that we would be released from the grip of ungodliness. And if you are anywhere near agreement with my heart today, I would ask that you would just stand and come stand in the front and join me. Yes, I want the grip of ungodliness to. I, I want to break free. I want to. I want to pursue the presence of God. I want the real deal. I don't want. I don't want a church experience. I'm not. I. I, I don't want to, to. I just don't want anything else but God. Would you just come right now and just stand here and? stand with me and be in agreement with us today that we could be freed from the grip of ungodliness. That we would say to some things in our life, we're willing to say it. We're willing to forget. Thank you.